Prestige heads and welcome to American Prestige. I'm Danny Bessner here as always with my friend and comrade Derek Davison. And we are excited to welcome to the podcast for the first time, Katie Halper. Katie has a bunch of different things. Check out Useful Idiots. Check out her writing. Check out her various appearances all over the place. Um, but we, we had Katie on today to talk about um, a recent experience that she had with covering Israel in the media. Uh, now, Katie has been on a several different podcasts. I, I would point people, especially toward uh, Chapo Trap House, where she talked with Will Meneker about what happened to her in, in detail. But just to sort of set the stage, Katie, could you run through quickly what precisely happened to you in the last couple of weeks i'm sorry just to be clear we're not talking about kanye i thought we're not talking about yeah kanye. and even okay. i'm an even bigger anti-semite than we, kanye. we had we had greg brew on we didn't talk about kanye now katie no i'm sorry i'm sorry to interrupt katie i just want no, to clarify okay. i would have loved to uh -huh. come on with, with kanye <laughs> my fellow anti-semite um yeah so what happened is i uh and i just a little shameless plug. I also host the Katie Halper show, which you've been on. Both of you have been on. Each of you of have course, been on that course, separately. Sorry. And so, no, no, it's fun. But um, that's where you can actually see the video that wound up being censored. So I'll just explain briefly, especially for those of you out there who don't, you know, not everyone's a Patreon supporter for Chapo. So in case you're not, you may not have heard about this. Oh, it's only on Patreon. Only on Patreon. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. No, this will be, this will yeah. be free to everyone. Okay. Yeah. My mistake then Katie, yeah. Run through it. However you like then. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. So I, um, I was a weekly host on this show called rising on the hill. And I'd been doing that for basically three years. It's a show and their shtick is that there are, they have one host on the right, one host on the left. It was started by crystal ball and Sagar and Jetty. Well, it was actually started by Crystal Ball and Buck Sexton, but it kind of took off with Crystal Ball and Sagar and Jetty because Buck Sexton is kind of a more mainstream Republican. And what Crystal and Sagar did was they were both like, they're going to say stuff that Crystal would say stuff that Democrats don't say, and Sagar would say stuff that Republicans don't say, or the Republican Party, I should say. And the show then, they then left, started their own show called Breaking Points. And so what The Hill did on the show Rising is that they had a rotating um, kind of hosts again, always someone on the left and always someone on the right. And so I did some guest co-hosting and I was going to do, be doing more of that. Um, I'd done it a handful of times. And, uh, when you're a host, you get to do these things called radars, which are basically monologues just straight to the camera. And so I had hosted, I think three times before I wanted to do a radar because I wanted to make sure I had kind of mastered hosting. Cause when you host that show, you have to prepare a lot of stories and stuff. So I decided I wanted to do, there were three monologues that I wanted to do one on Israel, Palestine, one on Ukraine and one on immigration. And it's funny cause if I had done the other ones first, instead of the Israel one first, I'd probably still be at the Hill as we speak. But, um, I did one. I did a monologue. I wrote but you, the monologue. you went out there guns blazing. You you opened strong. Well, no, but here's the thing. And a lot of people, even people who are supportive of me, think I did this as a kind of like PR stunt or not stunt, like no, to draw attention to the censorship. Yeah. No, I. the thing that's interesting and weird is that I had talked about Israel con like many times as a guest on Rising. And I called Israel, I said Israel lied about killing Shuru and Abu Akleh. 
And there was never any pushback from the Hill. Now, there is this ridiculous organization called Honest Reporting, which is like kind of an ironically named organization. And what they do is they try to smear anyone who's ever been critical of Israel and they try to get them fired. They did write something about me once. Um, but that didn't, the Hill didn't ever say after that, like, don't talk about this. In fact, I'm pretty sure I talked about it after that. Um, not positive, but anyway, so I, I did, the reason I started with the Israel one was because, uh, the week before my hosting this time, Rashida Tlaib had said, had basically been smeared as usual, as she often is unfairly smeared as an anti-Semite, because she said at, uh, an event that more and more people are realizing you can't be progressive while, except on Palestine, which is a term, by the way, it's called a PEP. Um, but that you can't be progressive except on Palestine. You can't be progressive while supporting Israel's apartheid government. And of course, tons of people uh, criticized her. Jonathan Greenblatt, not surprisingly, of the Anti-Defamation League, the ADL, you know, said that she, he, he totally lied about what she said. He said he was, she was imposing a litmus test on American Jews. There was nothing that she said at all that focused on American Jews. Debbie Wasserman Schultz tweeted about it, um, Jerry Nadler, tons of members of Congress, and then Jake Tapper did um, a segment on it with, like, some are saying that uh, it was anti-Semitic, some of her Jewish colleagues. So I did a monologue in response to that, and I basically made the case that, you know, because Debbie Wasserman Schultz says this is outrageous, or it's an outrage. So I was like, it is an outrage. It's outrageous that Rashida Tlaib is being attacked for merely stating that if you're progressive, you shouldn't support the apartheid government of Israel. And another thing is that Jonathan Greenblatt had said that Israel is not an apartheid government. So I kind of took the opportunity to lay out all the evidence that Israel is indeed an apartheid government. And I cited um, human rights organizations, uh, Palestinian human rights organizations, uh, Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, B'Tselem. I was careful to cite B'Tselem because they're an Israeli one and for better or for worse, some people trust them more than other sources. It certainly gives you some protection against the claim that only anti-Semites say it's apartheid, though people will just dismiss them as self-loathing Jews, which I think is a little ridiculous. But there's some people who I think are reachable, who when they hear it's an Israeli human rights organization are more credulous. I The, the self-hating Jew line always reminds me of the Curb Your Enthusiasm yeah. line. Where Larry right, David's like, I like, do hate I, myself, but, no, not, but it's not because Jewish. I'm a Jew. Yeah, I know, it's great. <laughs> it's so good. You know what you are? What am I? You're a self-loathing Jew. Am I? Oh, yes, well, yes, 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 yes. Jewish. I do hate myself, yes. but it has nothing to do with being Jewish. So then I, I also cited... I defined apartheid according to the UN and International Criminal Court because apartheid is actually a defined crime. I understand that Greenblatt and perhaps Tapper feel like Israel is not an apartheid state, but unfortunately for them, apartheid isn't about your feelings. It's about facts. And then I cited uh, several Israeli officials, including former prime ministers. You know, even um, Yitzhak Rabin in like a recently uncovered published interview from 76 said he, it was going to be hard to not be, he didn't understand. He said something like, it's going to be apartheid if we can continue the system that we have now. Um, and that was in the seventies. So, and lots of, you know, Ehud uh, Barak, Ehud Olmert both said it was going to be apartheid. Then you had lots of ministers saying it actually is apartheid. Um, and then I cited Nelson Mandela and, um, uh, Desmond Tutu and um, a prime, min a current minister foreign, of foreign affairs from South Africa, 
who also pointed to recently just at the United Nations General Assembly pointed to Israel's apartheid nature. And she, interestingly enough, cited Daniel Levy, who was an Israeli negotiator at the Oslo Accords, uh, who also pointed out that it was apartheid. And as I, I recorded that and then I left, I did my other hosting duties of the day, I left and then the the producer told me she wanted me to hear it from her that they that higher ups there had listened or seen my radar. Again, radar is just the name of the, the that's what they call their monologues. And they weren't comfortable releasing it. And the producer told me that she didn't know, but apparently there was this new policy at the Hill where they weren't allowing for op-eds, either written or video op-eds on Israel. And I was like, what? Okay. And she said, but the good news is that you can still do segments on Israel. And for segments for them is like the thing that I would come on every week as a guest, that's a segment because it's just a chat, a conversation. It's not like a straight to the camera monologue. So that's what I was told was their new policy. So I spent a couple of days trying to get them to act, either run the, the radar that I recorded um, or to at least maybe like run it and have a, an opposing view afterwards or let me have a discussion with someone. And then I got a phone call from the um, editor-in-chief of The Hill, Bob Cusack, telling me they weren't going to run the radar. His reasons, he's like, we get a lot of pitches that we don't take, but that's not how this works. Like, if you're a host, you just get to write it. There's no editorial review. You literally email it to the team. They load it into the teleprompter and that's it. Um, Ryan Grimm, who wrote about this, who used to be a host at the Hill said he did estimated, he did like 150 of them without any editorial, anything like they just go up there, you know, like typos and all not to throw shade on the, they don't have that many. So it's not a believable reason. Yes. Excuse. Then his other excuse was that it's not in their sweet spot of coverage because it was foreign policy, not domestic, which first of all, it's a domestic issue because Rashida Tlaib was involved. And this is something that Americans talk about. And second of all, I've, that was ridiculous. I hosted, I've hosted a bunch of times, and there are always international stories in that. So when after I got off the phone with him, um, I then texted the producers, and I was like, okay, so they're not running the radar. Can I do it during my segment tomorrow? Because, again, I had been told that I could. So I, do my, I, I was hoping that I could do it during my weekly segment. And then the producers were like, check your email, and this higher up at uh, The Hill and Nexstar had emailed me like, hi, Katie, we're not going to be needing you to come in tomorrow to do your your, your uh, segment. Uh, please send any unpaid invoices. Best of luck. And I, I, I have to admit, like, I know that there's a lot of censorship around this issue, but I had no idea that that's how they'd respond. Like, I thought we were talking kind of in good faith. I mean, I disagreed with their policy, but I was willing to stay on even if they didn't let me do that. And maybe some people disagree with that decision. But for me, it was like, this is a big, big audience that they have here. If I have to get out the story of why Israel's an apartheid state during a discussion, as opposed to a very well executed, like straight to camera monologue, okay, fine. It's not ideal, but I'm, I, I'm willing to make that compromise because I know how important this is and how few people will actually say these things. And the Hill, to their credit, they do let you say things that are uh, that you don't hear in main in corporate media. I mean, you can say things about Ukraine that you don't hear in corporate media, but this is an issue, I guess, where they don't allow people to actually speak freely. And you know, Bronco Marshatich wrote a great piece at Jacobin that looked at what uh, what could potentially be behind this new policy that they have, 
So one thing is that in August, the next star, this huge media group uh, conglomerate, they bought uh, the Hill for $130 million. And then in September, Psagot Value Holdings Limited, an investment firm based in Tel Aviv, bought 6,100 shares in Nexstar to the tune of more than $1 million. Also in late August, Nexstar filled the position of deputy managing editor of News Nation, its cable channel, with Jake Novak, a journalist who spent the preceding year and a half as the media director of the Israeli Consulate General in New York. Uh, he has written approvingly of Donald Trump's dropping of U.S. support for the two-state solution, and he's advocated for Israel to build more illegal settlements, saying, quote, it would bring more peace, prosperity, and freedom to both Israelis and Arabs. Also, six days before the announcement of his hiring, Novak led a presentation at Bar Ilan University titled Defending Israel Against Media Bias, How to Fight News Media and Social Media Bias Against Israel, The Best Defense is a Good Offense. Also, uh, interestingly enough, this guy is involved in the Matt Getz underage sex controversy. He told Dilbert cartoonist Scott Adams that he was involved. Friend in of the this pod. Friend of the pod, yeah, of all our pods. Involved in the extortion. The, our, the official comic strip of uh, of uh, American Prestige, yeah. Oh, oh my God, definitely. I thought he was exclusive to the Katie Halper one, but I guess uh, he's been cheating on me. So he was involved in this extortion attempt on Getz's father where he was trying to get millions of dollars to a commando team leader to free a U.S. hostage in Iran, which is, you guys could do a whole episode on that. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a true non episode. I, they should, they yeah. should do that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let them know. But, uh, yeah, so that's basically what happened. And I guess the silver lining, the good news is that I, when it was clear that they would maybe not be releasing this podcast, I reached out to breakthrough media, breakthrough news, which is an independent media organization that does not apparently censor its hosts. Um, and we basically, I just delivered straight to camera as I had at the Hill, the monologue. So you can find that at youtube.com slash the Katie Helper show, or you can find that at um, um, youtube.com slash breakthrough news. And another thing I'll add is I'm Jewish in case people don't know. Uh, and I point down the monologue. I had no idea. I know no no idea. Well, you never know. I mean, there were people who accused Bernie Sanders of hiding his Jewishness. It's like, where? How? Where? Yeah, what, Jesus what Christ. What could he possibly do to hide that? <laughs> but um, people have. I used to get mistaken for um, Latina, which as a as a white Jew is like oh, music to my ears. It's so exciting to be thought of as anything but Jewish. See, I am self loathing. No, um, I and I pointed out in the monologue that I could, you know, I could move to Israel today. Buy, a, become a citizen, buy a house, build a house, get a job, move freely around everywhere except Gaza, and so could Jake Tapper, and so could Jonathan Greenblatt, and someone like a Palestinian like Rashida Tlaib can't even, you know, go to her family home in what's now Israel. The law of return of 1950 allows any Jew, which means anyone with one Jewish grandparent, the right to return to Israel, the right to move to Israel and automatically become citizens of Israel. It gives their spouses that right, too, even if they're not Jewish, though if they're Palestinian, that's another issue entirely. So how has the response been? The response has been really positive. Um, there's been some media coverage. You know, it hasn't penetrated into ma into mainstream. I kind of had I was hoping that maybe like Mehdi Hassan would cover it. Um, he's pretty good on this issue. People have been tweeting about it. Uh, Roger Waters tweeted about it, though he's been smeared as an anti-Semite. Rashida Tlaib tweeted about it. 
I got to meet her. That was cool. I got to meet her at a fundraiser. She's really funny, by the way. Like, if she ever retires from politics, she should become a stand-up comedian because she's very, very funny. She's a great speaker. And uh, Mondo Weiss covered it, Palestine Legal, Sheer Post, uh, Common Dreams, Juan Cole. I'm going to be doing something with IMEU. I did Crystal Kyle and Friends. Oh, Breaking Points show that Ryan Graham hosts, which is called um, Counterpoint. Uh, they had me on. So you've been you've been getting around. Yeah. What do you and think? My this... Patreon has been going up, which is nice. Although oh, wow. it's not the Mazel same pay tov. as you get it <laughs> as a uh, at the hill. But yeah. yeah, for sure. So how how have um, what do you think this suggests to you about the state of the media? And, and in particular, I, I know you've written about this a lot or talked about it at least the relationship between different generations of Jews uh, in the United States. Yeah, it's funny. Some older people, I mean, I've been getting surprised. I think there are two issues. One is that there are some people who disagree with me on apartheid. I don't, but who think that what the Hill did was wrong because they think just as a censorship issue was wrong. Um, I don't really get how you can disagree that it's apartheid. I think that what you can say, and I don't agree with this, but I kind of feel like the only way you can defend Israel on this is by saying it, it's apartheid, but it needs to be. Or I've heard people say it's apartheid, but it's a better, they live better under that than they would under Hamas. You know, those kind of talking points. Um, but I do think that more, I was afraid that I would get more emails from people who were going to, who were kind of peps, you know, progressives except on Palestine, who would object to, to what I said. But it's been mostly positive. I think older people kind of think that I went in there, like you were saying, guns blazing, like to make a point. Again, I didn't. I mean, I was making a point, but I didn't think it would cause them to not release the the, the monologue or the, then fire me when I just merely tried to talk about it during a segment. Um, I think that, you know, what we've seen is a major shift in public opinion, Uh but it hasn't really translated into policy yet, which is not that surprising. But I definitely think, you know, APAC and ADL, as much as they claim to represent all Jews, or at least most Jews, they don't. Um, and the irony there is that it's an anti-Semitic trope to conflate being Jewish with being a supporter of Israel. You know, they these guys at, the, at APAC and ADL are constantly accusing people of furthering anti-Semitic tropes. And they're doing one of the worst ones, which is the, do the dual loyalty one. You know, that's what it's based on that idea. And the people who conflate Zionists with Jews, anti-Semites constantly throw around the term Zionist to mean Jews. And it turns out so do like the ADL and, and the APAC, right? Because like they're, they're suggesting that Jews are a monolith and that as a monolith, we all support Israel. And there's a whole history of anti-Zionist Jewry. That's, I mean, that I, I remember uh, starkly at one point uh, Donald Trump, who who these folks all seem to love, uh, referring to Benjamin Netanyahu as your prime minister, talking to right. like yeah. Jewish Americans, yeah. and it was just so obviously grossly anti-Semitic. Uh, but that kind of stuff uh, you're allowed to say, and I think it speaks to a, a larger point about 
what gets called objective when you're talking about this issue. You know, if you're this Jake Novak character, you can say things like settlements are good, slicing off pieces of the West Bank and, uh, you know, permanently uh, forestalling the possibility of a Palestinian state is good for everybody. Hooray, Donald Trump. And that's objective. Like you get hired as a deputy managing editor of a news program. But to talk about it from the Palestinian perspective, that's you're you're just editorializing. We can't have that. Right. You're subjective and irrational and speaking from like trauma, if you're saying that. But you are just a, a technocrat just calling balls and strikes, just objective if you say that settlements are a good thing. And the other thing that I that I discovered while working on this monologue was that um, I mean, I knew this, but I think I, I, I don't know if I like tried to forget it because it's so awful, but that nation state law, I mean, this is like 2018 when they passed this. And that says, that puts like, it de- demotes Arabic from a uh, an official language to a language of special status. It incorporates settlements into so like the Jewish mission, into the Jew, into the mission of Israel. It's part of its like of its mission and also Jewish identity. They, as if you didn't already know, but it's just interesting and and I guess shouldn't be surprising that it's gotten even worse and more overt. And you think that they'd like want to hide those things, but they actually codified them. Katie, any final thoughts on what you would want listeners to take away or how they could support you? Well, definitely by signing up to uh, at youtube.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Of course, if you can, patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. But just honestly subscribing to my channel, uh, liking the channel, that's really helpful because I'm not going to have this big megaphone and big audience that I had at the Hill. I'm really grateful that I have the Katie Helper Show and I have Useful Idiots so I can keep getting the message out there. But definitely want to try to expand my channel. I have great guests on. I had uh, Norm Finkelstein on. I had uh, Josh Olson and... um, Dave Anthony and from there, they have a new podcast called The Audit that they're doing with Lever News. Those are the guys who hosted the West Wing thing. They came on to talk about the rehabilitation of George Bush. Kate Willett came on because she's their guest. It's a cool, it's a really cool podcast, The Audit. They like listen to, they're listening to, I'm watching Bush's masterclass. Um, uh, I had a, I had, I've had Ali Abu Nima on, who's great from Electronic Intifada. Um, I'm having on Miko Pellet as well as Noor Erekat. Noor Erekat is this Palestinian American human rights lawyer. She's really brilliant. And Miko Pellet is fascinating. He is actually the son of a major Israeli general who's kind of a national hero, a decorated general. On his mother's side, his grandfather was like one of the signatory to Israeli independence. And he is the author of this book called The General's Son. Uh, and Israeli and Palestine, he is just a fascinating life. He, his niece was killed in a suicide bomb, and he's become this huge activist for a one-state solution. Uh, it's just like an incredible story. So I'm having him on as well. That sounds that well. That obviously all sounds great to us and everyone. Really, check out Katie. I've known her for years. She does incredible work, and it's thank it's you. absolutely absurd what happened to her at the Hill. Uh, Katie, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and we will absolutely see you we soon. We didn't get to do any anti-Semitic humor. I'm, I'm very upset. <laughs> I, I will say one thing, though, that is interesting. Just sorry to wrap up, but no, it's please. funny how Israelis, I don't know if you've encountered this, but like Israelis are often more honest 
even when they're Zionist and right-wing and hawkish, it is funny how they will be more honest about facts on the ground than American Zionists who have a very kind of rosy-colored view or rosy-colored distortion of what happened. It's interesting how you can see the kind of ways that you have to fit in Israel's occupation. You have to fit that into kind of a woke liberal discourse in the United States in a way that you don't have to do in Israel. Yeah, the domestic politics are just totally different. And and it would be actually interesting to do an episode on exploring that relationship, I think. Yeah. Cool. Well, Katie, thanks again so much. And everyone check her out. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.